Hello, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a bonus episode of The One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ojano. And as always, I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy. Um, congratulations to all the vaccinated ones, to the non-vaccinated ones. I know we're all in this together, I guess. Um, this episode is part of the 2018 retrospective, where we talk about the films nominated alongside Roma. Uh, the previous episode already discussed Kafar Nahum. And this episode, we're going to talk about um, the German the German official submission for Best Foreign Language Film at the 91st Academy Awards. Yes, we are talking about Never Look Away, or in its original language, Vakona Autor, which translates to Work Without Author. Written, co-produced, and directed by Florian Henkel von Dammersmark. So this film is about um, a young boy named Kurt who sees his favorite aunt be taken away by the Nazis. And then Kurt grows up to be an artist who falls in love with Ellie. And Ellie is the daughter of a doctor named Kazebend who has a link to Kurt's favorite aunt, Elizabeth, who was killed during the Nazi Germany era. Um, that's how far I would summarize because there's really a lot with this film and we'll talk more of that in this episode. So that's Never Look Away. Our guest for this episode is from the United States. You already heard him in the 1992 episode where we talk about Ando Sheen. He's a contributor at Awards Daily. Please welcome Joey Moser. Hi, Joey. Thanks for coming back. Hi. Thank you for inviting me back. I had such a good time last time. So I was really excited when you when you messaged me. So thank you. Yeah, yeah that's the last time we talked. <laughs> so. <laughs> was it really? Uh, no, we've, we've chatted a little. We've chatted a little bit, but like, yeah. First time, again, like, I don't know, Zoom flash. Yeah. Zoom yeah. flash? Oh my God. Zoom flash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Thank you for coming. And can you tell our listeners where can they find you on the internet? Oh, yeah. Um, I can be found on Twitter. And I guess you want to see my face on Instagram at joeymoser83. There you go. So um, this film, Never Look Away, um, you said this is your first time to watch it. It's my mm-hmm. second. The first time I watched it was for the podcast already. Uh, when okay. I uh, discussed uh, 2018 with the Roma episode. Uh, w- mm, mm. So first time with this film, how did you respond to it? What do you think of it? Okay. There is a lot <laughs> that happens in this movie. I was a little surprised how much the movie kept my attention. I honestly, I had wanted to see this. I had never seen it before. And then the thing that you and I were sort of discussing offline was the um, gigantic running time of the movie. Um, And I feel like sometimes, like, I'm one of those people who's like, ooh, you can tell me a story in 90 minutes. That's like porn to me. So when I found out this movie was three hours and nine minutes, I was just like, all right, we're going to do it. I like so I don't know. I, I um that's my expectations. My my reaction to the movie, um I was very actually invested in it while I was watching it. Maybe it was because of Tom Schilling. Of course. Uh, 
Um, that's definitely a proponent of it. But I was really sort of captivated by the story more than I expected it to uh, hold me. Um, and I'm not sure what your opinion of it is. is you're probably like, I hate it. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, what, what, I, I want, I'm very anxious to hear what you have to say about it. I think it's trash. No, I'm just kidding. Nope. Um, <laughs> this is the first, uh, for the second time I watched it, and the first time I liked it a lot. And I really liked it a lot. Like, I saw, I saw the buzz because there, uh, because, at the time at the Oscars, we're jumping ahead, but at the time of the nominations, this is probably the semi-surprise, I guess. Um, mm. Because the other four were wild, wi wildly, <laughs> widely predicted. Kafanahum, mm. uh, Shoplifters, Cold War, and Roma. And this one, it felt like it was this or Burning. And Burning was the critical yeah. favorite. And um, it's also Stephen Young, which we talk about offline. I'm like, well, <laughs> um, but with Never Look Away making it in, um, there were a lot of like chatters about, of course, they went with the film about Nazism and World War II World in War Germany. II, yeah. Um, which is, I think, in the, in the larger scheme of things, um, given now the currently se uh, five season run of this podcast and watching the films nominated for foreign language from the past, that seems like a fair assessment. Uh, every year I see a swastika and I'm like, we're going back to Germany. It's like that. Yeah. Um, but it's also taking away from what I really liked about this film. And in the second watch which was just two hours ago, finished. Because um, I started at 6.20 and finished at like 9.35. And I'm like, yes. And the recording's like 10. So very, very fresh. Um, <laughs> I think I love it now this time. I it's think, yeah. Gorgeous. <laughs> it, it, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's It reminds me, it, okay, the words that I've written in my notes are like, nonsense but i'm just gonna say it anyway classy sophisticated old-fashioned mm -hmm. pretty standard but there's so much i don't know finesse in the filmmaking it's it's both sprawling and focused but it's also so well made and um dealing with the runtime it's it's nothing the three hours nine mm -hmm. minutes fly by and it feels so well paced and made use of its runtime with reason and it felt so sure of its pacing and rhythm and um for a film that's basically about a life you know from mm -hmm. from the childhood up to like well a life <laughs> until 30 years old <laughs> until like 30 years old sorry um felt alive which I think it's necessary when you tell a story that is so um, expansive when covering the majority of a person's life because if we if I don't get that feeling and I'm just seeing events of a life mm -hmm. but it felt I was really engaged like you said so um, uh, invested emotionally 
not just physically, mm-hmm. but I'm invested in the story of this artist, which I think that's that's the core of this film is the life of an artist and how that artist confronts and I don't know makes peace with the darker aspects of his past. I I think I love it now. I I love it. I guess I love it. I love it. Yeah, I um, it's it would be very easy for this to not have an emotional pull, and I feel like um, like there there this could have been a movie that felt kind of cold or procedural. Um, I feel like the movie starts with a really um intense emotional note, and that really really um helps guide the viewer you know with an emotional connection despite you know it's it's about the repercussions of of what happened during the second world war and and you know east germany west germany and you know whatever it's i was really sort of taken aback by the emotional response that i had to it and i also um agree with you that while i was conscious of the running time I never thought it was uh, bogged down by anything. Like this is, I'm really impressed by how there is so much in this movie and there is so much both on a very intimate level and a big sort of what you said, sprawling, ambitious, worldly level, but it never ever buckles under its own weight. It's very clear. It's very clearly directed. It's very, um, Precise. I, I was very, very impressed with that. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And Tom Schilling. Ah, Tom Schilling. Of course, Tom Schilling. Uh, which I named like the hottie of 2018 in my foreign language film coverage. Of course, that's what matters <laughs> in this podcast the most. Men. White men. Um, <laughs> all right, with this, I'm just unveiling my weaknesses in this podcast, of course. Um <laughs> It's really an intervention. It's not a podcast. Yeah, it's, it's not a podcast. It's just me dealing with my own demons. <laughs> White demons. Um, White demons. Yeah. I think, you know, with this film, I was also surprised because when I watched it before, I remember how how resistant I was. I think with... And of course, we're both like covering film maybe in different ways, but, you know, in covering film as film-loving people or, like, doing coverage for a living, really, um, we tend to budget our time. Well, oh, this is three-hour film. Yeah, like. yeah. And the, with the amount of films that we see now, like, I, I don't know, I'm going to save it until we forget about it because, like, yeah, that's probably one of those um, Oscar buy-and sponsors I'm not going to deal with because it's three hours, but... Um, I'm going to use this as like an, an an advertisement to watch the film because it's there's so there's so much and yet I love where you mentioned like at the beginning it's so intense not only because it was dealing with the subject matter of mental health but on how it immediately grounds the story on a personal note I think there is a tendency for films set in war or whose 
concept is largely hinged on the war. To drown in its own ambitions. To forget that there's a personal story inside all the rumbles of war and all the flying flags and all the Hitler of it all. This film starts with an with a fascinating couple, the artist and the aunt that inspired him. And, you know, in the case of the war, I'm not sure if we've seen a lot of, I haven't seen a lot of stories where um, the, Nazi, the Nazism that rose in Germany also affected actual Germans. But they were the ones that needed um, more support in their mental health. But this side of the war um, and how it draws out. Of course, it can seem startling at the beginning when we see, you know, there's a, such a loving relationship. And then when, we, when Kurt suddenly sees Elizabeth, um, his aunt, fully naked, playing the piano and then starts to hit his head. And then there's blood. It's such, it catches you off guard. And then the film has this, it makes you, re- it reminds you of how the gre- it sets up that because there is this delicious payoff in the end where the artist grapples with being unable to, pr- to, to create great work and what he had to do was to go back to that point. It's, and it's it's a really it's a really beautiful story that started in that striking way and that just builds and builds on that and it felt like the years as it went on it felt like an organic choice to follow that story through the years. Um, it didn't feel like why are we still watching this? <laughs> it's how many years now? <laughs> It felt like it was always had a reason to go on and on. And then when it went on, it was so sure of why it was still going on. And then it ends on um, a really rewarding note that just comes full circle with everything that we've seen in the film by the end. You know what I thought of the entire time I was watching this movie? And I don't know if it's because both of them have like an opening set in a museum or something but (laughs) because i read this book not not never look away did you ever see the goldfinch yep i've seen a goldfinch i'm first of all i should apologize no no i it's fine it's not as as everyone says it is but for some reason maybe it's because it's the tie to art or because it does follow one person from when they're very young through very sort of like worldly circumstances. Now, granted, what happens in the Goldfinch is not World War II and does not have to do with Nazis. Um, it has to do with like child abandonment and like issues with their mother, blah, blah, blah. For some reason, I, I constantly thought of that book and that movie while I was watching Never Look Away for the first time. And the whole time I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, this is way better. <laughs> <laughs> This is so much more like precise and emotionally handled than that movie is. Also, Tom Schilling is way better looking than Ansel Elgort, but that's a completely different conversation, a completely different podcast. But um, I don't know why I, I thought of that while I was watching this movie. 
Is it a completely different podcast? I think I think that's what the one in Trivari is about. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh no, my intentions are revealed. Um, <laughs> that is such uh, an interesting comparison that you did because I have seen the Goldfinch. I haven't revisited it, and um, <laughs> um. <laughs> that, that movie, like I know that movie has a lot of problems, and I I said it since the very beginning with the Goldfinch that the Goldfinch should have been a miniseries because that book. Yeah. About- took me like a year to get through um that book is like this big um but it's it's yeah i don't because it has something to do with art and you know a relationship between someone who introduces you to art and the the sort of haunting after facts or or after effects of tragedy um again not world war ii in america but (laughs) but that's that was burned in my brain as i was watching never look away Never look away. Way better than the goldfish. I think also interesting comparison. I think both films look gorgeous. Um, the goldfinch, Roger Deakins can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. This one, Caleb sure. de Chanel. However, I think the beauty of this one, of Never Look Away, was so organically coming in, like how it was filmed. It's it's a kind of cinematography that can be taken for granted, but gosh, I hope not because it's so well lit. And yeah, so yeah, well it really is. Framed. Yeah, like this luminous quality in the entirety of the film, which like makes you realize that this is like can be taken for granted, but at the same time, when you start to think about it, like how the fuck was this even? I don't know, done because it was so beautiful and yet so n- natural. And yet when you, you start, your senses are starting to be more keen on these details, like how the heck did you like the scene with the goldfinch? My problem was, I think beauty can only take you so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was a beautiful one, but um, when and the goldfinch has a lot of like pacing problems and the, the film felt fractured with terms of its structure, all of it are the opposite of Never Look Away. So, yeah. yeah. That's interesting that you bring up the, the cinematography because, I mean, I've talked to some cinematographers before. I don't know necessarily anything about cinematography, but I do because, and we're going to talk about the awards and how it did in the award season, but I was very conscious of the cinematography because I feel like I was expecting these huge beautiful shots and there are some huge beautiful shots in this movie um but i was surprised by like a lot of the clarity in the scenes a lot of the i like a lot of the way that the actors are framed in a lot of the shots which i feel like i don't know a lot about how cinematographers do that but i was very drawn to the way this movie was shot even though uh, a scene maybe like a quote-unquote unspectacular scene or something like that it just looks gorgeous <laughs> yeah <laughs> i always look at not always always but when i when i think of this film i always remember when um tom Schilling spends the night um painting i think for the first mm-hmm. time on how that lighting was so crisp so <laughs> losing words but on just how it wasn't calling attention to itself but on how it almost defines 
how we approach this film because the narrative so clear the visuals so crisp i think it was just so um i don't know sharp in what it wants to do and it's translating in so many ways um from the narrative and up to the scene because when i look back and see the scenes a while ago i always kept thinking wow i cannot imagine i've i've been in few shoots um I was never really the film student who went to for so many shoots. But gosh, how you get this lighting. How what setup did you use? How how many to get this lighting that feels so gorgeous and yet it doesn't call attention to itself. I think when I've noticed, especially started um following the Oscars more closely in the last few years, how we really like to talk about great cinematography on what calls attention to it and i'm still surprised when i go back that this made it in because it doesn't really call attention to itself and yet the work is so evident the and it is as a film about a painter um, a film about an artist a visual artist it just the visual style was just so apt in this film that it's not really something that's like uh, something that takes you out of it. And people who can talk about, you know, the cinematography and takes screenshots of this film can take it for granted. But when you watch it and then stick with this kind of visual stuff for three hours, you realize how, how, um, decisive the visual style is it's not it's 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 not it's not necessarily subtle but it's more delicately done yeah the um something to do with like it not being flashy and just going along with what you say about i love that scene where you see him paint for the first time and the way he's like opening and closing the the big heavy shutters and stuff and i feel like the scene where he paints for the first time is kind of showy in a in a way but not really it's it's totally driven but i feel like our response has a lot to do with how he does that first painting yeah um not the first painting the second painting um, the one with uh, him and why am I blanking on her name? You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I feel like that isn't showy, but it is um, so clear. Yeah. I'm not sure if that is a response to what you were just saying, but it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it, is, it doesn't feel accidental. Like it, it was. It felt decided, mm-hmm. which makes me appreciate even more the direction of this film because on how elements complement and the blocking and then the lighting and then of course um you know how it captures the performance because i think looking back i think this is one of those moments where how i responded to the performances and everything actually is helped a lot by the visual style how Tom Schilling was lit, 
how the family were, how the family members was like Tom Shedding and family. Of course, he's the one that matters, and how the actors were lit and how I remember this scene. I thought it was such a brilliant setup when um, when Ellie and uh, Kurt had sex and the family comes home and he had to mm-hmm. jump to the tree and he was like yes and we see the father come in Ellie's room for the first time but we I think we have an idea on who the father is but we aren't really reveal it yet so it's mm-hmm. sh- silhouettes I guess or I don't know shadows I um, but how his face was revealed was when he was gonna blow the candle yeah on how the lighting dictates what the importance of that scene. It's like, oh, you know what? These are the small moments that show you how the lighting directly or indirectly uh, steers um, our attention to what's important and what's not. What like this moment is important, or like this re- in- reveal of information is essential, or like has an impact. And usually, I think a lot of films would probably do that through music. Never Look Away is bah, one of those. Bah. Yeah, or like a build-up. And this film has a delicate build-up. What mm. this film has does that through lighting. And again, when I say it like this way, it, it, it I'm almost like setting it up for like um, disappointment when when a person will watch it like, oh, where's the lighting? Where is it pointing? No, no, it doesn't really work that way. But just like how subtle. The choices are, and yet, you know, it's been so brilliantly decided, and that decisive feeling of the choices, which like they feel decided, but they also feel organic, which makes the the visuals of the film really. Um, I'm losing the words. Really, really <laughs> I'm failing. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, really, really good. Um, but beyond that, um, there's a lot of good stuff in this one. Being a period yeah. film itself, you know, um, it's really hard to capture. It's it's really it it takes a, a certain threshold to cross a certain threshold for a period film to look alive and to look lived in. And uh, this film looks like it is so good. I think I want to go in the themes of the film because there is a lot. Um, I just noticed this time that this is basically, which is probably idiotic of me the first time, but this really starts and ends with this journey of an artist mm-hmm. and how he makes, on how he moves through several environments. You know, he has his almost like birth as an artist comes at a time when art is already starting to be specifically curated or censored by the government. And then he lives through a time when his family has to go along with the Nazi party, you know, the storyline with his father, basically, um, rescinding to the idea uh, or acquiesced to the idea of joining the Nazi party because it's the only way he could get jobs. And then when the Nazi party loses, he couldn't get a job because he was part of the Nazi party. 
Yeah. And then how he was um, touted to join the the art school, but then the art school is there is a certain social socialist realist art that is only mm-hmm. being dictated and nothing else matters, and almost like taking away the, the expression that he has, and the me 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 is being um, frowned upon, and all those tensions that he has to negotiate along the way and how he felt he had to run to the West so that he could pursue his art and how he finds the freedom in his art and how even in the place of freedom, he still has problems with his art. And the only way he was able to, at the end, thrive as the artist was when he dealt with his past. How he dealt with the Nazi roots, how he dealt with the lost aunt, which was another heartbreaking st- storyline by itself. Um, but what do you think? What do you think of this central storyline of Kurt being the artist? And did you see this film as a story of an artist, or did you see it in another way? Because with the film being a lot, I think there's a lot of ways to see this film as well. <laughs> Hey, what's up? Thank you for listening to this preview of this bonus episode. If you want to hear more, please head to patreon.com slash the one inch barrier. For only $4 a month, not only do you have full access to bonus episodes, but you also get early access to regular episodes. Again, thank you so much. And together, let's break the one inch barrier.